Today on Locked On Los Angeles Kings, like, I don't know, 22 straight minutes of me crying or something? Having feelings? It's that time of year and this is just super gross, guys. Super gross. We'll talk about it on Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Thursday, February 20th, and you are listening to Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sarah Avampato, managing editor of Jewels from the Crown, and currently just real hella sad, guys. Real sad. As was expected, as had been rumored, as we all knew was coming down the pike, Alec Martinez has been traded, not only traded in general, but traded to perhaps the darkest possible timeline, the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, if I had three landing spots for Alec Martinez that I personally would have found narratively satisfactory, this is not in regards to hockey trades or realistic things that could have happened or whatever, my three preferred landing spots for Alec Martinez. Number one, Carolina Hurricanes, reunite him with Justin Williams, help shore up their blue line in the absence of Dougie Hamilton and blah, 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 add veteran presence, blah, blah, blah. That would have been preferred stop number one. Preferred stop number two, the Detroit Red Wings. They're not going to be trading for anybody, but I think it would have been very satisfactory to send Alec Martinez home if you had to get rid of him. Spot number three that actually did pop up in legit rumors, Florida Panthers. Why? I don't know. Just because I like them. They're scrappy and not that great all the time. And Joel Quenville plays defenseman as forwards and like whatever, but he could have been like Willie Mitchell 2.0 or something. That would have been great for me to personally personally on like a not hockey analyst level. None of these things, well, the Carolina one actually would have made a lot of sense, aside from the fact that it would have reunited him with Justin Williams. They are allegedly looking for help on defense. Uh, They could have probably fit him in. You know, that one would have made sense. Uh, The other two didn't make quite so much sense. Florida was one that had kind of popped up in rumors. Detroit, obviously not ever going to happen. But like I said, I'm just talking about the pure narrative. What would have made my like fanish heart happy? What doesn't make my fanish heart happy? Sending Alec Martinez to the Vegas Golden Knights. Like that sucks. That sucks a whole ton because now we have to see him like five times a year in Vegas's uniform. And I hate it. Hate everything about it from a fan perspective. From a, I like Alec Martinez. I don't like Vegas. Like, Like, from that perspective, everything about this trade stinks. That being said, when you look at it from an actual analysis standpoint, especially when you look at what the Kings got back in exchange for Alec Martinez, I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. It is a trade that had to happen. Well, it didn't have to happen. None of these things have to happen. It is a trade that everyone expected to happen, and... The biggest surprise was that it happened within the division. Uh, And I'll talk a little bit more about that a little later. But like I said, the fact that they got a pretty good return for him in line with what is being gotten in return for other similar defensemen, you know, you can't hate it. Uh, So if you have forgotten or missed the detail, Vegas gave the Kings a 2020 second round pick and a 2021 second round pick. The 2021 pick is the one that belongs to the St. Louis Blues. The 2021 belongs to Vegas. So that's two picks for Alec Martinez, who is 
uh, has one more year on his contract. He has certainly, from the analytics standpoint, declined. It's not really clear what role he's going to fill for Vegas, what need he's going to fill. They were looking for help on their blue line, but this is where like the trade becomes not an issue, but if you're just looking at it as a Kings fan, I like this player kind of thing, it sucks a whole ton because Alec Martinez has been huge for the Kings. He has scored some of the most important goals in Kings history, came off of his stick. He's a guy who's a great teammate. Everyone loves him. He reads books. He like makes bad jokes. Like he's great to interview. Like he's just all around. Like he's just such a great guy. And so like it really stings to say goodbye to him, perhaps even more than the Toffoli trade, this one just hurts like real down deep. Even though you knew it was coming, it just hurts. But analytically, looking at Alec Martinez, his numbers are bad. He doesn't do a whole ton. He's known as an offensive defenseman, but his offense has basically gone away. He doesn't shoot very much. He isn't getting many assists. He isn't doing it too much in regards to exiting or entering the zone. Just all around, like numerically, not great at all. And so, like I said, this is where the trade kind of falls apart from a fan perspective and from the eye test perspective, because he, uh, we know him as a guy who plays huge minutes, a guy who, you know, gives it his all on the penalty kill. And maybe the offensive numbers have gone down over the years, but I'm going to be very curious to see how Vegas uses him and what Vegas expects him to be. Uh, Because if they are just looking for that third pairing defenseman to just block shots and like lay it all on the line every night, like they're going to get that. If they're expecting him to be the guy who scores the goal to win them the Stanley Cup, I don't know that that's going to happen. And so it's actually kind of painful watching this trade unfold online and watching Vegas fans reactions to it because now I feel like I need to like mute Alec Martinez's name on Twitter because everyone is like from Vegas's fan base is just like absolutely dying over it because they're unhappy because they see you know, the, the, the fancy numbers. And they're like, this guy sucks. Why did we get him? And I'm like, please leave my precious angel alone. <laughs> like you don't deserve him. Um, but so like, it's just from a fan perspective, this one is so hard. I hate it. I hate everything about it. But like I said, and like I was going before I went off on that tangent, the return that the Kings got for him is solid. Two picks, uh, which is around the li- in line with what the other uh, teams have been getting. Dylan DeMello, that trade was in exchange for one third rounder. Brendan Dillon in exchange for one second rounder and one conditional third. Uh, Marco Scandella, a second rounder and a conditional fourth. Martinez is the only one of the defensemen so far that has been moved that has another year on his contract, which is probably why there's no conditional picks involved here. I'm going to go ahead and guess that the conditional picks on the Scandella and Dylan trades have to do with like whether or not they resign on their respective teams or if they like win the Stanley Cup or whatever. I was curious, like knowing this trade was essentially pending the new day and the new cap situation for all of the teams involved, 
Scandella was the interest, most interesting comparable player to me because Scandella has overall better numbers uh, over the past few years than Martinez does. He's a little bit younger. He's a little bit bigger. The biggest difference is that Martinez, of course, has very extensive postseason experience and Scandella doesn't. And the other difference, of course, being that Martinez had a whole extra year on his contract. I had expected him to get roughly what Montreal got in exchange for Marco Scandella when they traded him to the Blues. Uh, And so we were kind of right in line with that. That news all officially went down Wednesday morning after having been talked about and talked about and talked about all Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening. Martinez, of course, was pulled from the lineup in the Kings last game, which everyone seemed to universally understand as we are pulling you out of this game for a pending trade. I think that the the biggest holdup was, of course, the fact that Vegas is very close to the cap. And, you know, with every day that goes by, the cap situation changes and they might have just needed a little bit more time to go uh, because I don't think they moved any other players around and in fact they actually called up a bunch of guys from the AHL uh, after having them down to help also reduce that cap uh, number. Uh, The thing that I think has Vegas fans the most angry aside from the fact that they don't know yet how to love and appreciate our boy is that the Kings are retaining no salary on this so Alec Martinez's full cap hit this year and next year will be the Vegas Golden Knights responsibility and I want him to have success. I want him to do well. I just, oh man, it's Vegas. Don't love it. Don't love it at all. Coming up next on the show, we'll talk a little bit about these interdivisional trades that Rob Blake has been doing and why they're maybe kind of a good idea. So the two trades that Rob Blake has made this week-ish, yeah, this week, but I have no concept of time anymore, and so I'm really just really struggling with like what day is what, but no, both of those trades happened this week. Uh, Both of the trades that Rob Blake has made, Tyler Toffoli to the Canucks and Martinez to the Vegas Golden Knights, are trades within the division. And the sort of unwritten rule in hockey is that you don't make trades within your division because you don't want to help your competitor. And I get it. I totally get it because the idea of seeing Tyler Toffoli in a Canucks jersey scoring on us and the idea that we're going to see Alec Martinez playing for Vegas, which I think all Kings fans can just agree on how little they like the team. We can all agree on that. Like it's going to just really stink to see our guys going to the playoffs on other Pacific division teams. And, you know, it also hurts like having all of them. And also this includes Cal Clifford and Jack Campbell, you know, going to their new team and giving interviews. And they're like, yeah, I'm just really pumped to be on a winning team. And you're like, oh man, that sucks too. I hate that too. To fully and and Martinez hurt a little more because like I said, we're going to have to see them like five times a year or whatever, four or five times a year. And that's just incredibly unhappy to think about. But two things about that. There might be more than two things. I don't know. I didn't really like plan out how many things there, how many points were in my, my point that I'm trying to make. Trading within your division, by the time the Kings are ready to actually be competitive again, by the time that they are ready to not just get into the playoffs, which they could feasibly do maybe sometime in the near future, maybe in the next couple years, but by the time they do more than just get into the playoffs and fizzle out, they get in and they actually make kind of a run. Those players who Rob Blake has sent to other divisional teams, to Foley and Martinez, are probably not going to be helping their teams anymore. Sure to Foley and sure Martinez might re-sign with Vegas and with uh, Vancouver, but they are going to be way past their primes. Martinez is already kind of out of his prime. He's what, 32 
or so. Uh, and everyone, you know, the, the downswing is there if you look at the way his numbers have trended over the years. And some of that is attributable just to the Kings being worse. But some of it is attributable to the fact that he is aging and he's not the same player that he was in 2012-2014. Toffoli's, what, 27? So he's sort of at the edge of what is kind of considered the prime for forwards. He is someone who we have seen his scoring just sort of drop off a cliff and, you know, paired with the right center, I think that could change. And I think that he could certainly improve. But by the time the Kings are ready to return to relevance, let's say it's even, you know, let's say it's three more seasons. That's going to make Toffoli 30, Martinez 35-ish. Do I really think that either of them are going to be contributing at such a high level that they specifically are going to be the ones to burn the Kings when Vegas or Vancouver play them? Like, no. You know, you're you're making your rivals better, yes, but you're making your rivals better for a very limited amount of time, for a very limited window. It's not like they just gave Jared Anderson Dolan to the Canucks. They didn't just give Kale Clegg or Sean Walker to the Vegas Golden Knights. They are giving guys who are established in their careers and who could feasibly re-sign there. The immediate benefit to Vancouver and to Vegas is going to trend downward in such a way that by the time the Kings are really battling with those teams to make the playoffs and to need every point they can get and whatever, Toffoli and Martinez are most likely, unfortunately, going to be a little more irrelevant. Yes, it's weird to see teams trade within the division, but I think this is a pretty smart move. And the other reason I think this is smart is because since it's like a divisional trade, Rob Blake was probably able to like extract a little bit more one of those second picks or maybe would have been conditional on another team. Maybe they wouldn't have gotten quite as good of a prospect from Vancouver if it was like an Eastern Conference team. Uh, I think that the price becomes a little higher when you are helping out your own enemy. So I'm guessing that Rob Blake had a deal that he wanted and the deal that he wanted was one that happened to come from up the road and he took it. And you know what? That's fine. I don't dislike either of these trades in terms of the return that the Kings are getting. Um, I like the picks. You know, I've seen a couple of commentaries on Twitter of like, is how many picks is too many? They have 20 picks spread out over the next two drafts. And that is a ton of picks. Like, do you really need to draft that many guys? And honestly, the answer is no. And what you can do is you end up packaging those picks together. Like maybe they want to move up in this year's draft for something so they can package two of those seconds to move up somewhere else. Like if they're trying to move a player, they can start throwing in some of those second and third round picks that they've been accumulating. There's nothing wrong with having a million picks. You can move them. You can do whatever you want. Like you can just draft guys and trade the guys later. Like who cares? There's no issue with having too much riches in terms of draft picks. You need a pipeline. You get that pipeline by spreading your picks out over the years. And the Kings are doing a really good job of that. And if there's anything that I can commend Rob Blake for, it is really the way that he's been handling the draft and handling getting in new players and getting in new blood into this system, which is rated as one of the best, if not the best, prospect system in the National Hockey League uh, for a reason. And so that's going to be exciting to see what happens. So yes, this was a divisional trade. Yes, it's going to suck so much to see these guys who we know and love and have seen shed blood and sweat and tears and lift the Stanley Cup 
uh, for our team and it's going to suck so much to see them playing and helping another team. Like a little part of me is going to be rooting for Vegas in the playoffs. Part of me is going to be rooting for Vancouver in the playoffs, like because I want these guys to do well. I want them to be happy and successful and whatever. It hurts a little bit like, oh, knife in the back to have to be rooting for these teams who have been uh, such hated rivals uh, in some cases for many years, in other cases, Vegas, uh, for just a couple years. But it's painful. It's a sad time. I feel like Martinez is really the big one that you're just like, oh, man, like, it really is happening. We, we really are rebuilding. Who knows who's going to go next? Uh, the trade deadline, there are still several days left, so there could be more moves coming. The names that keep popping up are Lewis and Forbert. Forbert's going to be interesting because he's been so hurt dealing with this chronic back issue all season that I think anything you get for him is going to be good because especially if the Kings aren't going to re-sign him, come back with like a fourth round pick for him or something, like fine, whatever. Um, But Forbert and Lewis, Lewis is going to hurt a lot too because he is just as beloved as Kyle Clifford, will go and be very good uh, in the room for another team and be very unsung for someone else. But so keep an eye for more trades, more weird moves. For all we know, it's going to be deadline day and Blake's going to trade like Martin Furk or something. Like something weird's going to happen. Who knows? Like you can't predict it. But all I can say is I don't think the Kings are done and there is more pain to come. I'm going to round out the show today by talking about the Florida Panthers because the Kings sure do have a game to play and that's the opponent. Florida Panthers coming to town next on Locked On Los Angeles Kings. The Florida Panthers are in town tonight as they make their way through the great state of California. They've already played San Jose and Anaheim. They won both of those games, 5-3 over San Jose and then 4-1 over Anaheim last night. The Panthers are doing their best to stake their claim on a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. Right now they are third in the Atlantic Division. They've got 70 points, which puts them two points ahead of a wildcard spot. The Hurricanes and the Islanders are currently holding down both of the wildcard spots in the East. Uh, they actually have 72 points, more than Florida, again, with 70 points. Toronto is tied with Florida right now. Florida has played less games, though. They've played 60 to Toronto's 61, which is why Toronto is currently out of a playoff spot and the Panthers are in. So this race is going to be fascinating to see where it all comes down to. Those bottom spots in the division, uh, the third in the Metro and the third in the Atlantic, um, and then the two wildcard spots are just separated by like centimeters. Uh, And so those teams are all just going to be flip-flopping each other, I guarantee, pretty much up until the very last day of the season. So uh, as an outsider who has no interest in really any of those teams, uh, it's going to be really fascinating to watch, but Florida right now doing their very best to try to make some more separation between them and Toronto, who is the only other kind of threat in their division. Once you get past Toronto, you've got Buffalo, who is definitely not making the playoffs. Montreal, who's kind of given up. Ottawa and Detroit, who have zero chances. Like, oh my gosh, Detroit's goal differential is minus 105. Holy crap. I know this is not the point of this show, but I was just looking at the standings to 
as I was speaking and minus 105. The Kings for the record is minus 45, which is still like atrocious. Like that's very bad. Minus 105. Holy balls, guys. That's real bad. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's that's something. All right. Uh, but so like I said, getting back to the actual topic at hand, uh, Florida's only real competition in their own division is Toronto. Um, ahead of them is Boston and Tampa Bay. Neither of those teams are going anywhere, and they might as well just be in a dogfight for who gets first and second in the in the Atlantic. Uh, so Florida really trying to widen that gap. They need every point they can get to stay ahead of Toronto, um, who is currently like doing their darndest to fall apart it looks like uh so florida coming in a very motivated team they have won two in a row against san jose and anaheim they're coming off of a little bit of a losing streak they lost four in a row then they won one then they lost a couple more but they also recently had a six game winning streak uh back in the beginning of january so they've been a very up and down team uh it is very joel quenville all the things that are happening in florida right now uh if you have spent as much time watching the Blackhawks or just knowing his tendencies as I do, you'll know that occasionally he does real weird boneheaded things and then they work and then like you might be stuck with it forever. Uh, he's been playing Mike Matheson, a defenseman, and Mark Pizik, uh, also a defenseman, up as forwards. Uh, at one point in a game, Florida legitimately had five defensemen on ice just because of like reasons. So there's been a lot of like weird, like succeeding despite themselves kind of things that are happening. Uh, a very like scrappy little team that could. It'll be interesting to watch them at the trade deadline. I, I really do kind of feel like they could use a couple of more players with that sort of playoff experience. But whether or not uh, they'll go out and get anyone, uh, especially knowing that they made their big splash in uh, Sergei Bobrovsky in the offseason, remains to be seen. But Florida coming in pretty motivated to get as many points as they can to load up uh, to help their case out in the East. Florida has made some more weird moves lately. They waved forward Jace Haraluk, who, you know, was not great, but at least was NHL caliber. Uh, they waved him and the, the Senators picked him right up. Florida just didn't really figure out how to use him. They didn't figure out how to get him in the lineup regularly and took a chance on waving him. And now he's out of the organization. They also traded Dennis Malgin to Toronto for uh, a player who's been in the AHL, uh, Mason Marchmont, and who honestly like is not nearly as good of a player as Dennis Malgan. So that's a little bit of a weird move. Also to see those two teams who are uh, fighting it out for every last point to make a trade with each other is a little interesting as well, especially knowing that they are literally, literally fighting with each other. Uh, but one of the reasons for the trade, like Joel Quenville was like, yeah, he just didn't get to play very often. And a friend of mine who uh, closely follows the Panthers was like, well, whose fault is that, Joel Quenville? Uh, so I, someone who has watched a lot of Blackhawks, was like, ah, this feels very familiar. So Florida's coming in in a little bit of a flux. They're, you know, shaking up their lines, trying to see what works, you know, waiting, I guess, for the trade deadline to bring in some more reinforcements like I, I don't really 100% know what they're doing and they might not know either Florida you know doing their best uh, they are 
led in scoring by Jonathan Huberto, who has 71 points, which is a ridiculous amount of points. He has 59 games, 71 points, 21 goals. Uh, he has a huge lead over the next player down, uh, who's Alexander Barkov, who has 57 points in 56 games. On any other team, we'd be talking about how amazing that is, uh, or at least on the Kings, we'd be talking about how amazing that is to have a point-per-game player. Uh, and instead, he is eclipsed by Huberto's 71 points. Uh, and then there's another kind of big separation. And then you get Mike Hoffman with 47 points, Yanni Dadanov with 43. Uh, Keith Yandel somehow has 41 points. I don't know what's happening there, but Dean Lombardi somewhere must be very excited about that. Uh, so as always, the dangerous player to watch out for on the Florida Panthers is always Jonathan Huberdeau. Much like how the Kings are, as goes Andre Kopitar, so go the Kings. The Panthers are very much like that with Huberdeau. Like, if he's having a great game, they could be unstoppable. And if he's having an off night, they might be pretty easy to stop. Sergei Bobrovsky got the start for the Panthers in Anaheim. So that probably means, unless... Joel Quenville is going to do a Joel Quenville and run Bobrovsky into the ground. It probably means that Sam Montembeau is going to get the start. The last time these two teams met in January, the Panthers won 4-3 to three over the Kings, of course. Did you know that Brian Boyle was on the Panthers? I feel like I had this revelation last time as well and just don't remember it at all. Uh, Montembeau got the start against the Kings last time these two teams played uh, Chris Dreiger also played a little bit in that game for reasons I don't remember and don't feel like looking up, but Montembeau has at least seen the Kings before and did fairly well in his game, in his play against them, so uh, he will most likely be in net when the Panthers come to town. So, that game airs tonight and the Kings are at home. They'll be without Alec Martinez, they'll be without Tyler Toffoli, everyone's going to be really sad, it's going to suck a lot, and... Uh, We've got to just push on through it. That game is tonight, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, airs on Fox Sports West. And of course, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about what's going on, how that game went, all that great stuff. Until then, you can follow me on Twitter at Right Said Sarah. You can follow this show at Twitter at Locked on LA Kings. Uh, give them both a follow. You can get facts and figures and trivia and stuff from me. You can get show announcements from the show. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. If you aren't already, go look at your podcast app. And if you're not subscribed, hit that big button right now. Leave a rating or a review or stars or a ranking or whatever your app wants you to do to say how much you're enjoying what you're listening to here on the show. And of course, tell all your friends all about it. Make sure everyone you know who is into the Kings or feelings about Alec Martinez or whatever is listening to this show as uh, we continue on hurtling to the trade deadline. Until next time, this has been Locked on Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.